Howdy, Chad. Hey, Cam. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Yourself? Can't complain. That's good. Yay. Um, last weekend was Mother's Day. Yes. So my sister-in-law and my mom for Mother's Day wanted to paint miniatures. Yeah, you mentioned that. Actually, I saw the pictures already, but tell the story because it's adorable. Well, it's fun. I, I Both of them, you know how it's like because you did the same thing where it's intimidating. The first time you sit down to paint, yeah. like you look at this amazing little sculpt and it's like, I don't want to ruin it. Uh, but you sit down and you start, and it kind of takes care of itself really fast. What were we talking about? Uh, painting miniatures with our loved ones. Yeah, everybody loves painting miniatures. Um, but it's really fun introducing someone else to the hobby because it's that you know this, like you kind of learn when you teach too. Yeah. So, you know, seeing different approaches and the way they're trying to do different things than how I would do it, uh, it, it kind of reinvigorated something where it's like, yeah, I want to expand what I'm doing, too. And we're watching tutorials together and like I wanted to find demonstrations of like, here's how you apply a wash. Mm-hmm. And here's like this guy filmed it uh, really nicely. So it's easier than just me showing you how to do it. But also, it's like, you know, I kind of want to step up my game a bit. So after the show, I'm going to the hobby store to get some, uh, like, I, there's an, uh, it's some sort of, like, acrylic medium that you can use to, like, kind of make your own washes. Because mm. I've been painting with, like, a layering style. And I'm not super happy with it, like, okay. for everything. I think there's a time and a place for layering. But looking at some of the stuff you can do when you glaze... Uh, to get a different kind of gradient. It just seems to come out smoother and more interesting. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I definitely don't glaze at all. I think part of that is I don't have that those acrylic thinning mediums uh, to really make a proper one, so I have to use water, and depending on how tacky the paint is, that can be really hit or miss. Like, Vallejo stuff works a bit better. The Army Painter stuff, not always. This is really color-dependent. And typically, if I'm, like, that far into a, a, a mini, like, I'm like, oh, if I fuck something up, I gotta do stuff over. And this could be really time-consuming if I make a mistake. So I'd rather just stick with what's easier. So I, I tend to paint in layers as well, uh, just because it seems to be the most efficient way to tackle these projects without making the biggest mistakes. But I also agree with you where, like, I don't hate how my stuff turns out, but I, I feel like it could be better. I just... uh. I gotta have that, like, paint-bravely attitude to go for it. Yeah, and the attitude is key. Um, I think one of the reasons I prefer layering is because I'm going for this, like... When I'm painting a Warhammer 40k miniature, I'm typically doing this kind of uh, canonical approach, and they have their paint set up where it's like, you can use this base red, and then this uh, layer red over here, it's already mixed... And it'll come out the same every time. And they're really, really, like, overpriced, high-quality paints. Yep. And it comes out looking right. But as soon as I want to do something that isn't the exact shade that they're already doing, it's like, you know, maybe I should just learn how to mix my own. For not just the creative freedom, but also, like, in the long run, the cost would be better if I can use cheaper paints but get the effect I want. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, do you use, like, a wet palette then? 
Um, I think so. Were you? I, yeah, I don't think there'd be a problem with the wet palette on that. Well, because I know because I have used I... a wet palette for mixing. Like that's how I did my Tyranids. Mm-hmm. Um, for that butterfly like fade effect was I mixed my own blend, but I applied it in layers. Okay. And that was with a wet palette, but I would probably do the acrylic medium and thin it out the same way and just like slowly add the different shades as I work through it. And it'll, uh, I know the, that should work actually pretty well. I think the, the times when I've like doing a lot of mixing, the real issue is like getting all the paint on before it dries. And then I got to mix it again. And hopefully I get like the same ratios and it looks the same. Whereas if you have a wet palette, it'll keep the paint wet a lot longer. Uh, I haven't bought one of those. I still use like I just you know a cheap plastic one with the different circular pots or whatever, right? You, you've probably seen those. They're like a dollar at a Walmart. I like. Um, it's also kind of fun. Like I love going to Walmart and seeing something useful. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, here's just like a a one dollar cheap little thing, but it's exactly what I need. I I really enjoyed some of the wet blending I did with this current project. I only really did it on a one guy's axe, but it fades from like white to kind of a green to a darker turquoise and you know did some like white highlights and stuff trying to make it look like it's, you know, glowy and plasma. And there's probably, you know, some it could look better, right? Like the first time I did it, but I am happy with how it did turn out. Like it took a while, but I, I got kind of what I wanted. And I want to try more of that, but it's such a pain in the ass. Like, it's... these The things are so small, they don't always, like, take to the paint very well. So trying to actually blend while you're working on this scale of... Well, the whole thing's, like, what, two inches tall, right? All these little details and stuff. Like, the layering can be nice because it just... You set it up to work. You don't have to... It's a little less artistic, I guess, because you're kind of following a a set path and, and, and like the instructions versus painting, painting. So I don't know what I'm going to do with my next guys. I want to grab some of the, the D and D minis you sent me a while back and, and paint another one or two of those just to like practice on them. Yeah. Experiment. I want to figure out how to do some really nice, like glowing effects without getting an airbrush. Cause it seems like those make those things fucking easy to do. And every time I try it, like, I get an effect, but it's not what I want. And it's like, well, it's consistent across you know, the armies, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> there is a trick to using an airbrush, right? Because I'm seeing a lot of glow effects where it's like, oh, I know exactly what you did. And it's, like, distracting. Mm. Um, it, It's kind of like when you learn a Photoshop trick. Yeah. And the first time you see it, it's like, wow, it's like I'm really a dolphin. But once you see other people's dolphin edits, you're like, oh, use the dolphin tool. Yeah, I see the edges now. Yeah, I remember when I uh, was working on the cover to my my book, The Ninth Life, and I did like a posterize effect on it to kind of like cheaply blend all of the the compositing together. And people who know Photoshop are like, oh, you use posterize effects and did this and this. And it's like, yep, sure did. Yeah. And so there's like a... There's an element of glow effect where it looks like they're just using the po- the posterized tool in Photoshop mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I can see you held it exactly here and you brushed a perfect circle and then you lightened it a bit. Like it's not it's not uh, quite the achieved look you're looking for. Yeah, I get you. Um, so I actually kind of unless you're very good and you do it right, 
I kind of preferred the brush on glow effect. I mean, are, how do you how do you tackle them? Oh yeah, this midwinter minis. I've definitely followed this tutorial. For whatever reason, I don't know if I like skip a step and it doesn't work, or I'm just like not thinning stuff properly. But I don't always get well. His yeah, results. I, I think honestly, it might be the paint quality, or not quality, but like consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to consider getting some of this medium uh, because you, you use that to dry brush, like when it's like watered down, and you get a super subtle. Like you, that's the one you want to do on the makeup brush. Yeah. You have it like really thin, you put it on the makeup brush, and you just very gently and very slowly like brush over, 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 and see it build up naturally. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of looks, uh, it can look better. It's not guaranteed to look better, but. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have a makeup brush, so like my dry brushes are just sort of shitty brushes that are consistently, they're not as soft, right? They're kind of hard because they've been used and they're cheaper. Oh, and- and yeah, that so won't work then. That that but works yeah, against me too. To if I try to dry brush and and get some makeup brushes, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to, uh, just because every time I try to dry brush, it. like well, half the time like it works, and the other half it's like I get too much paint, and it's just like oh fuck, I I just either I gotta roll with the mistake or I gotta redo stuff. Yeah, you know, I think high quality brushes are sometimes overrated, but there's a couple techniques where you you really need it to be, uh, very specific. mm Hmm. Well, we've had that conversation before, too, with brushes, right? Where I'm like, how do all these people keep their brushes looking so nice so long? And it's like, well, they buy good ones, and they take really good care of them, and they have, like, special soaps and cleaners to get the paints out without fucking the bristles up. Whereas I buy, like, cheap Michael's Craft brushes that fall apart after a couple projects, but I only spend, like, I don't know, $8 for five of them. And so then I just ended up kind of throwing away a lot of shitty brushes. Yeah, it's real hard to go away from those uh, $8 packs. Um, and it's like, it'll start to get bad. So it's like, I know what I'll do. And I cut it. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm trimming it down. Yep. It's like, look, I have a brand new brush now. Yup, yup. And I would feel so yeah. mad if I fucked up like a $20 paintbrush, right? Like, because I feel like I would. Like, cleaning these brushes and feeding the paint into them correctly without getting it like all the way down to where it connects to the base... It's kind of impossible, especially when you're doing a lot of mixing. Like, you, you're just going to make a mess and get it everywhere. And all of a sudden now it's like, well, how do I clean this and still keep the point? But I got to, like, brush the paint out of it. And clearly there's a way to do it properly. And I just am not doing it properly. But then I go look at that and I'm like, oh, well, you should buy this and this and this. And it's like, I'm so sick of spending money on this hobby for, like, tertiary shit. Why can't, why is none of this affordable? Yeah, it's as affordable as you want it to be, but as you develop tastes and standards, it becomes less affordable. <laughs> yeah. Um, my friend at work, um, I can't find the video now. Oh, what was it called? This has to be the guy. Um, I have a coworker that does a lot of uh, he he watches a lot of videos on miniatures, and this is the one. Uh, there's this uh, this one interesting one where it's kind of like a siren, where it's a giant lake monster, but with like a pretty mermaid top that's coming out of the water surface. Oh, Mini Bricks Craft. Yeah, I've watched some of her videos. She does really cool stuff. I haven't seen this and one, though. The, the, so it's really cool how the entire thing's sculpted out uh, so that you can see under the surface of the water. 
Mm-hmm. Like most of the model is underwater. And there's this whole process of like, here's how we make the, uh, the lake side and like trimming out all this foam. And then you like, you decorate the inside and you do all the stuff. And then you put in the uh, acrylic, um, to fill that in. And it's like, it looks really, really cool. Yeah. It, it turned out perfect. It looks super neat. But my coworkers watching this going like, man, you know, they, they make it look so easy. I, I want to start doing this hobby. And it's like, dude, you don't even have any of these tools. Like, you're not going <laughs> to. I, I yeah. know it looks cool. I mean, I. But okay. there's some stuff that you just, you don't, you don't start running. You, you start walking. Like, she's using a scale to mix her stuff, right? Like, yeah, this isn't like novice level diorama building. I will say, I have watched these videos and gone, I wonder if I could make a diorama that would look cool. I've seen I've seen three videos on YouTube. How hard can it be? And I stop myself because I don't have any of these materials, and you can't just buy like enough to make one. You have to buy, you know, a container of it, right? And you're like, well, I don't want a container of this like twenty dollar chemical that I'm gonna use maybe four times. Then and then that's ultimately I think what stops me. But like I have all these old Pokemon figures, and I'm like, man, it would be so cool to make some like dioramas, and then like I don't know, stick them in a Pokeball or something, and just like have these. Uh, little, little forest for the Bulbasaur and Venusaur and Ivysaur and like a volcano for the fire ones and yada yada yada. Right, like it would be neat. Yeah, but it's also the kind of thing where um, I could picture if I had like a garage space and dedicated storage space for all of these supplies, mm-hmm. I might be able to justify it if I treat this as like, well, this is going to be my hobby for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I'll do it with my dad. And, like, like I bet I could do it if the situation was slightly different. Um, and I had the space for all these things. I wouldn't mind investing in, like, uh, getting the supplies. But it's, I... like, realistically, <laughs> I don't even have the room to do some of these projects. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm surprised, though, because she made, like, that the, the base out of foam. And then she, like, took a plaster and made a mold out of it. And then actually, like use the mold to do it's like she made it three times basically and and so many of the people i watch like they just make it out of foam and then like coat the foam so it takes paint and in glue and then just stop there like i feel like she's kind of overcomplicating this uh it, it, it kind of depends on what you want out of it um it, part of this you, you want to do the molding so that it'll last longer yeah there might be some structural issues with the foam too that you might not realize until you you work with it too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't um, know. I like know. I'm, like I'm sure the, she has her reasons. I'm sure she does. I just uh, the the people I watch would would have been like, "Hey, the foam base is done. Now we can start gluing stuff to the foam." And I'd be like, "Hell yeah!" So you know, I, I'm looking at like, "Well, could I do this?" I mean, what she's doing, hell no. But the foam stuff's not that. It's expensive. also like, it's a matter of uh, like what you're displaying for. Because a lot yeah. of the stuff I watch is for, like, wargaming. And so it's like, okay, you need something that's cheap and lightweight. So we're yeah. going to use the foam. Um, if this is going to go on a shelf or if she's going to, like, you know, sell it to a museum or on eBay or something, uh, then it might be a different uh, need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, context is pretty key with some of that stuff. I really love this video, though. Um if anyone out there wants to look up mini bricks craft on YouTube, 
what's funny is she's decorating kind of this rocky cliffside with all the like the moss and algae and and seaweed and twigs and stuff and if you don't know what she's building towards it kind of looks like it's done already like you could just put some jawas on the ground there and it's like oh is this a star war yeah so seeing her like finish this and then just fill the whole thing up with liquid you're like oh oh okay it, it's crazy too to me the, the the specific stuff you can buy for miniature dioramas and stuff, and I'm guessing a lot of this like started with model trains. But like I can go to like was it Green Stuff World, and I can buy like gamer grass, and I can buy twigs yes. and, and, and and specific <laughs> you know little skeletons and stuff, right? Like, and I've thought about doing that for some of my models, like getting getting grasses and, and uh, bushes and stuff for them because I I, I picture my uh. Chaos Space Marines would be like wandering through a swamp. And so I got like the swampy, you know, muddy ground, but I don't have any of like the trees and whatnot. And it's like, do I go that far? Part of me kind of wants to because I think it'd be cool. Part of me is like, eh, I mean, you're, it's premium product. So they're going to, they sell it. Not to keep harping on cost, but it, it really is like, do I want to spend $20 on fake grass to glue to a couple of Warhammer models? Yeah. And it's like, if you're looking at making a whole 2,000-point army, uh, then that grass will, like, get used. But when you're making, like, a couple display pieces and you're going to be doing different styles, it's really hard to invest in this stuff because you're just going to end up with a lot of extra supplies you're never going to use. Yeah. And I know the the gamer grass stuff doesn't take super well to paint because it's like, oh, if I could get some on this color and then, like, paint a couple of them black for a different set of models... And then, like, they're on a different terrain. Like, that would be cool. But I I feel like I've seen people try to, like, spray paint that stuff, and it just kind of ruins it. Yeah. That's an unfortunate part of that, too. In fact, that's why they started selling some interesting colors. I've seen, like, alien, like, red grass and blue grass and, like, teal. Yeah. And stuff. Uh, just because um, you sometimes want different colors. Yeah, for my orcs, which are based on like red, uh, red basing within uh, then glass shards. Like, I I would like some like black, uh, vegetation like creeping through. I think that would look really cool. But I'm that's just, uh, that's model talk. Yeah, I'm still just watching her like um, paint this 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 mini now, and it's like, it is freaking mesmerizing. Yeah, and see, I like how she uses her airbrush um for like a more natural. A creature like blending on the tentacles mm-hmm. that's a good use of the airbrush um some people i don't know do you often check like the subreddit for warhammer uh no because it's it's mostly exclusively people posting models sure and there's such an interesting like uh a very diverse collection of skill sets where you just kind of, um, like, some people, like, they got their first airbrush, and then there's other people where, oh, this is their career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything in between. I like, whenever I see people do creatures, and then they do, like, the the different uh, the dots and the different colors and stuff, because, like, if you look at most things, they're not, like, one color, right? Like, a rock has lots of different hues in it, uh scales on a lizard aren't just like brown like on a snake or whatever they're they got little bits of orange maybe blue and purple you know it's all a lot of little extra details that 
I know are there, but I don't think I, I I wouldn't have it in me to try and paint. So I would just do, well, I guess we're doing brown with the dry brush, a different brown versus, okay, let's do brown with the dry brush. And then I'll take a little stipple brush and kind of add in just specks of color to, to, to bring it out. Cause she does that with this creature. And I've seen other people do that too. And I'm always like, fuck, I having that attention to detail and like forethought. I just, I don't quite have that down yet. I'm kind of just paint by numbers sort of thing when I do a mini it just I, I choose the the colors I want but I still paint them largely like well what's the box look like let's try to do that but with my colors yeah and I mean most of the stuff you've done is like metallic armor mm-hmm. right um I know orcs are maybe like I've seen a couple different approaches to orc skin so that might be a thing you could do is uh, experiment with that but um Man, I really love this piece, though. It comes together so well. I wonder how much that thing weighs, because that's a pretty hefty brick of resin. Yeah. And also, I love how, like, foggy it gets. Yeah. Where it completely obscures all those details that you're admiring early. <laughs> and it's like, you can see it in there, but it's, like, spooky yeah. and mysterious. I wonder... Oh, wow, this has, like, three million views. Um, yeah, I guess, I don't, I don't know if I have anything else to say about uh, mini painting and wargaming and stuff. Uh, I, I haven't touched a brush in yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we touch I'm on it of, from time to time. But. Yeah. It's fun. It is fun. I always watch, with these kinds um, of YouTube channels, the ones I watch too, like, what do they do with all their stuff? Like, I really like Nerdforge. She makes some huge dioramas. I imagine most of those get sold or, like, are commissioned ahead of time. She just doesn't really talk about some of that, because it's not why we're here. But... I, yeah, it's funny. Um, I I think there's a, I, I've heard stories on like podcasts where sometimes people will have like a really well painted piece, and they'll basically loan it to their like their local hobby store to display in the window. Okay. And it's like sometimes it's like a rental where it's like they're getting a little bit of money back, um, and maybe they'll sell it later or something. But that's also not their like primary point. It's like I painted it because I wanted to paint it, but uh, my wife says we only have twenty shelves, so yeah, I'm not going to keep all the shit. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Where like I have, I have my three bookshelves in this room, but most of them are being used for books. And then so it's like, well, what do I, uh, what do I, how do I display some of this stuff, and do I want to display it? I would like to make little diorama stuff, though. I have enough little dudes that if I just started making background parts, it would probably look pretty neat. Yeah. But this is a fun piece. Again, that's uh, Mini Bricks Craft. Uh, look up everything on that channel. It's all cool. It's really cool. Like It's good but, to like, fall asleep to stuff. Like You watch it before bed, and it's kind of relaxing because it's not... The music's always pretty chill, and you're just like watching someone work on something but they're so good at their craft, it's mesmerizing. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because I want to compare this to Bob Ross, where it's just like, it's calming. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're just going to, why don't we add some trees? You know, we're, you know let's let's put some bushes there. And blah, blah. But the stuff I watch, it's the exact same thing, but it's like, yeah, the, the blood's not glistening enough, so we're going to we're, we're gonna uh, make this look a little more fleshy, like the, the muscles are being t- torn and so there's still substance there. It's not all liquid, and that compensates for the the paint quality. And it's just, like, the same exact calm approach to these, like, terrifying monsters. 
Yeah. Well, what have you been up to this last week? Oh, I've been up to all kinds of wacky hijinks. Um, you helped me make a music video. Talk about that. That was a hoot. That was a hoot. So uh, for anybody, and I mentioned this, I think, in another episode, but I did a, I did a vocal cover of a Three Days Grace song and filmed myself performing some of it, you know, just into a microphone in my room. But for, like, half of the video, I wanted, I wanted like, not me, because I, I don't like being on camera. And we talk about filming in VR chat. We go to enough places. We have weird avatars. And, and using that as a vessel for, like, artistic endeavors is one of my, I think, growing favorite parts of that game. It's just, it's just fun. And so we... We went to a place where there's driving at night. Uh, wasn't my first choice, but that would not load. So second choice it was, much smaller. And we we filmed some really goofy scenes of uh, really jacked, muscular Pikachu driving around, picking up some friends so they can go dancing. And it was it was really fun uh, working with you and Joe, and you know, kind of being the director and, and setting up shots and. Uh, having you know acting in them and stuff and be like hey okay look that way and wave you know do and it it was neat it was it was a good time and i i, I am sorry too because i have this thing where i'm always like i i always want to like step in i love cinematography so i always want to say oh here's a good shot you should get this shot and it's like i don't want to step on your toes while you're working on a thing and i always do this oh i was really happy to uh, have your I, and joe's input I'm glad, but I'm also trying to, like, restrain myself until you ask for input. I didn't do that very well. No, no, but it's totally, because, I mean, I really I like the shots that you got. <laughs> like, watching it, it kind of flows in a way where it's really funny that these, like, muscular Pokemon are there. But also, it kind of just looks like a music video. Like, yeah. it's it's not just a VR chat recording. It's like, uh, you know, this kind of comes together in a way that it almost doesn't earn. <laughs> It's 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 strange, you know right? I mean? And like a, a normal music video would have like at least twice as many cuts. Like a lot of those are cutting like once a second, once every other second. Whereas I'm like, okay, let's go three to five. That's typically what I do at work. And also, it's just you know, do I want twenty shots or do I want forty? And you know, effects and stuff like that. It's like, well, this is this is just a shit post, right? I, I don't actually want to like put four hours into something that like a dozen people are gonna watch. Um. But honestly, like, the three-second stuff, like, is totally fine, especially since, like, there is a bit of a narrative to it, so I don't need to have, like, all these jerky shots every, like, drum hit, which is a fine way to do it, but my god, I don't have time for that. Um, I know, like, you and Joe had some ideas for shots, so I was, like, I was happy to have them because I went in with a game plan, but it was, like, pretty loose, and so, and Joe's like, hey, get down here and, and, and shoot up, and I'm gonna walk by the car like this, and I'm like, hell yeah, that sounds great, and he did it, and it was perfect, and it was, like, the first shot I used. Uh... And you had, like, some really good ideas, too. Um, I know the the one you did overhead with Joe laying in on the car, like, I turned that into the thumbnail because I thought that was really funny. So I was happy to have your input while I did this. But I also respect you and Joe as, like, artistic people who are going to have good ideas. And I think that's probably the difference, right? Where if you're like, you should do it this way, and I, and I was like, if I thought that was a bad idea, I'd, I'd, it would be a bit more annoying. But I... I know you have a good eye for this. Like, that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted you there. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it kind of makes me feel extra lazy because I was talking about recording a music video 
And I have not started that at all. It's all, it's work. I, I mean, it's really hard to get started on stuff. I know the, I think the, the, the kind of mental trick is to be like, okay, work on it for 10 minutes and that's it. And then once you're going for 10 minutes, you're going to probably work on it for like an hour or whatever. And so you kind of like trick yourself because like, what's 10 minutes? 10 minutes is nothing. Uh, in the case of this, 10 minutes is like literally just getting set up. Yeah, you know, I'm wondering, um, what is next the weekend? 21st? Uh, but, but, uh, oh, I think that's uh, the Star Wars convention. Okay, maybe the weekend after that, I might spend the Saturday, like, it, like actually, I have to record stuff for my video. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, it'll, it'll only take me. So it's like, I should just sit down and record footage. And start editing and throw it together and see what it needs before I, I have anyone like... Because I want you and Joe to be backup dancer helpers for a couple shots, but I'm not sure how much I actually need. Sure. So it's like, I think I should just... Uh, I should record the first half and just kind of see how it's looking. And then maybe that Sunday we can pepper in what I need after that. Um, I would say that is a good idea. I am going to be on vacation, like, away from my computer in this state, the 22nd to the 26th, so... That sounds fun. Might have to be the weekend after. Um, your approach, though, I mean, there's not is, a is, due date on this. Right. I would say your approach is kind of... When I, when I film training videos at work, because it involves getting a lot of people involved and, and making sure we have mach- access to machinery and processes, right, that are normally used for production, I... I tend to do like a rough like first half hour of filming with people to try to get everything I think I need that's on the script. I drop all that footage in and then I go, okay, what am I missing? What do we need that's like B-roll related? What do we need that's really specific? What do we need that is like graphic design stuff? You know, pictures that I can slowly zoom in on and, and, and labels and things like that. And it, it's, I think, a fairly efficient way to do it because... That first set of filming's a vague guess. Like, there's a script, so, like, you know what you need, but you don't really know what you need. And then when you come in, I'm going, okay, well, a third of the video is done. I know exactly what I need for the last two-thirds now because I I can see it pieced together and, like, the story I'm trying to tell and, like, how to set up a machine or whatever. And it, I know it's, like, there's artistry involved in movie making, but being efficient with what you're doing is so nice because you're just not like standing around being confused and like i think that we did all our filming yesterday in like 40 minutes right because we largely had an idea what we were going to do and the few accidents like we we made work really well but ultimately i didn't want to waste your time right so i didn't want to go for more than an hour yeah and you know it's funny i think the stuff that i need you and joe for I'm going to guess that recording time is not going to be longer than five minutes. (laughs) Oh, it's like that planning that stuff out really does keep everything efficient. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I kind of have it storyboarded out, but something I keep reworking is like there's already a music video for the song. And so I don't necessarily want to just do a shot for shot of it. I, so I was like, I should experiment. I should do my own scenes. And I should do my own uh, take on what the visuals could be. Yeah. But sometimes when you experiment with that stuff, it just doesn't work out. So it's like, you know, I should really just start filming and see what is and isn't working. 
and like not necessarily be married to the storyboard uh, at this stage. Yeah, that's a a good call. I think the one far the one frustrating thing with like VR chat as your medium is like you're really you're stuck with what's available, and you know jumping from world to world like the the graphical difference can be extremely different, right? Like you can have really poorly constructed places that are technically what you're looking for. Like, oh, this is a construction zone, but it's textured really badly or it runs really badly. And then you can have like, oh, here's this construction zone and it's gorgeous and it looks amazing, but then my computer can't run it with OBS open. So I, I just, I can't use it. You know, that kind of thing. I know when I was trying to do some of those music videos for my EP, like that became really frustrating trying to find worlds that I wanted, but also like had like a visual fidelity that like if I went between them, you couldn't tell. And there were some slim pickings there. Same with avatars and, and, and the way lighting works, right? Like we were battling that last night with the lighting on the cars being not the best way handled. And so like if you got too close to any of the cars, there's just like a giant lens flare in the center of your screen and you just couldn't do anything about it. Oh, you know, that's something else I was playing with was... uh don't even use the world and just like green screen it and have like abstract backgrounds or oh sure intentionally crafted backgrounds and like it would almost be interesting to me i don't know if i want to do this for this music video but i might pick a different song but i have this idea for like uh just using like actual photographs for backgrounds mm-hmm but layer it so that like i'm you know it kind of like a roger rabbit thing yeah. To like intersect, you know, the, the VR cartoon characters with a real world in different ways to maybe pull that off. Uh, but also uh, like a hand drawn background where there'd be like kind of a set. And I could maybe even make this in VR chat so it's easier to film, but almost set it up like you would a cartoon where you're drawing in layers. That'd be cool. And like I have some ideas of things that I want to work on. If I could just have, if, if I had enough of the idea, it's like, oh, this will be a fun concept, but what can I actually use it on? You know? Yeah. You have a lot oh, of... It's kind of like that Fear and Delight music video with the, the interesting kaleidoscope reflections. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy that directed that, he just like, he had this idea of like, can I do this effect? And he has test footage of doing that effect. And he's like, yeah, this is really neat. And someone reached out to him and said, hey, I want a music video. And he's like, oh, what if we did this? He's like, yeah, okay. You know, it's like I'm at the concept stage. If I could hear a song that makes me go, oh, wait a minute, that's the one. Mm-hmm. I know you have, a, you have a lot of ideas churning around your head for projects. Uh, I hope I hope most of them or all of them come to fruition, you know? like They don't have to. It's fun to think about. Because it's like a puzzle, it's like a problem to solve of like, how would I achieve this? Sure. And when I figure out how I would achieve it, I feel good. Yeah, I guess I get that. I know when I'm like working on a piece of fiction, there's that element. And if I if I solve it too early on, I all of a sudden don't want to work on it because like the puzzle's done, right? And then the execution bit <laughs> yeah. is like, oh, I guess I have to put it together now. But I already did in my head. And that's the part that's important. And... Uh, so like I'm writing a short story right now and I'm getting close to being done. And like the last couple of pages have been kind of slow because I've known for a few days what I want them to be. And I just got to write them. And it's like, man, this is, uh, this was a lot more fun to think about them like four or five days ago. Like the execution bit kind of sucks now. 
Yeah, I gotta, I gotta pick a project that I can do just so I can get that good feeling of actually finishing something. Yeah, scope is a big thing too. I know uh, I've been editing my second book again, and that's been a thing. We did an episode on that, you know, revisiting old projects. It's still not done. I'm getting close, but I'm t- I'm taking a break because I was getting fucking burned out on it. But I, I gave myself two months to finish it, which is accurate if I were working on it every day. But it's honestly probably going to be like another half a month more. And I guess that's okay. And I don't technically have any deadlines. But like if I don't give myself deadlines, I'm afraid I won't get stuff done. Yeah, deadlines are not just deadlines, but really just structure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's something about uh managing your own project or being your own boss you really do need your own structure yeah everybody's different but you need something (laughs) to uh keep you on track it's interesting when you look at some of the uh the youtubers right that that their full-time job is making videos for youtube and you're like oh that must be really fun like you get to make videos for the internet like uh super ipod wolf did that big garfield one i bet he had fun and then he's talked about that and he was putting in like 14 to 16 hour days like consistently because it was such a big ass video and he was just like he got so consumed with with making it and it was he's like that it was really like just mentally and physically rough on him and so the reverse can happen if you're like oh I'm a YouTube person or I'm, I'm doing my own projects I'm doing all this fun stuff and you just like sink every waking moment into it and now you you forget to eat and so there there really is like this balance to find where I don't like working on a book more than like maybe an hour and a half to two at the most a day. And honestly, I prefer to keep it at an hour, but I don't always write that fast. And so hour and a half is usually a good, a good middle ground there. But anything more than that, you're just like, man, I'm fucking tired. My butt's sore from sitting and I didn't do anything. And my house feels extra dirty because I've just been sitting here and the cat's annoyed. And, you know, like just, just finding that time to still like be a human being and then go to work and then do your stuff on the side like it, it's a it's a tightrope act it really is it can be but as long as you fuel it with your own uh perspective of what you want out of it you can avoid getting burned out i know a lot of people they just think like if i tough through the part where i'm feeling bad it'll get better and it's like no 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 <laughs> you could actually like ruin it for yourself mm-hmm But yeah, I guess um, that's what we've been up to. So this is Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. Yeah, and, and the real today show we're going to talk about concerts. Yay, I went to a concert. Yeah. It was How fun. Was that? I, I, it was good. I saw uh, Three Days Grace, Godsmack, Asking Alexandria, Wage War, and Lilith Czar. So it's a, a five, five bands in the, uh, in the group. We were at uh, Minneapolis. And the the whole day was kind of a, a nice adventure. Um, I I I don't like big cities. Uh, Minneapolis is fine. I've been there a handful of times, but I didn't have to drive or navigate at all. But just like we found a parking garage, we parked, we started wandering around looking for a place to eat, and it just like kind of freaks me out how many more people are in that kind of city than like the one I work in, which has maybe 50,000 people. Like, what is the population of Minneapolis? It's got to be a couple hundred thousand. Uh, 424,000. So it is, like, you know, okay. quite a bit bigger than where I live. And and then, like, the buildings are so tall, and there's, like, no trees, and it's just... 
it's so claustrophobic, like, despite technically being, like, way bigger, right? It just, it kind of freaked me out a bit, if, I, if I'm being honest. So that was, that was interesting. Um, and then the show itself was a, was a pretty good time. Uh, friggin' drink prices, though, at that venue were absolutely ridiculous. Like, we didn't even go buy water. Like, it was all so expensive, where it's like, no, we will just suffer through this and swing into a gas station on the way home and buy some bottled water there but oh man yeah you know it's funny um that's actually one of the things i like about going to the drive-in uh because they don't enforce like a no snack policy because you're in your car Mm -hmm. uh so it's like when i'm going to the drive-in it's like wait a minute i could just i could go to kfc and bring a whole like kfc dinner if i wanted to (laughs) like anything's on the table uh and so i went to see dr strange and um I, I got a bag of Fritos at the gas station and the Fritos bean dip. And it's like, I'm just going to enjoy this noisy bag because it's in my car where no one else can hear it. Yeah, for sure. Um, It felt like I was on a corn chip tortilla throne. Fritos are good. Liberated. Yeah, Fritos are good. That's one of those things where uh, I, I'm going to get like depressed if the Fritos recipe changes and I don't like them anymore or something. They're, like, remarkably bad for you for a chip. Like, they have so many calories compared to a lot of, like, other chips on yeah, the market. So I don't eat them very often. They're a treat. Fuck, they're good. Yeah, it's a treat, for sure. I know when we go to outdoor concerts, like, uh, like the big festivals where they have the giant fields of parking, uh, I haven't been to one of those where they'll, like, make you not, you know, empty your food or whatever. Like, so you can bring snacks and booze into those, and just, like, between bands, you go back to the car to, like, drink and eat. And that's really nice because, like, another thing, right? Like, like if you're buying water there at an outdoor festival, you're going to be spending, like, $4 a bottle. And that sucks. But the uh, the show itself was good. It, it's so easy to, like, immediately think of some of the negative stuff. Um, I don't really want to talk about that because that's not what this show is about. And I got to not be so damn pessimistic. I really enjoyed Wage War. I did not know any of their music going in I, I other than, like, a song on the radio. And they were a really like groovy metalcore band. They only played for about a half an hour, but it was it was a good set. They were fun. Uh, they had really good breakdowns, and it was cool to like, you know, just hear that kind of like very more loud and abrasive metal at a, a live. I don't I don't get to see a lot of that. And then uh, Asking Alexandria played a really good set. They were fun. Three Days Grace played their hits, which is always pretty fun. I was surprised at how few new songs they've played because they've had three albums with their new singer now. But everyone's there for their, like, first two. Like, those are the big ones. And so they basically just played the hits off of the first two and sprinkled in some other stuff. And that was fine. Uh, I, I enjoyed them. And then Godsmack were were really good. They played for a, about an hour and a half. We stuck around for probably an hour 20. We skipped the last couple. Uh, they brought a ton of, like, pyro and, and just kind of put on one of those, like, big anthemic like rocking you know rock shows like they they've upheld their end of the bargain and and that was it's been a goddamn while since i've gotten to see that so it was it was a lot of fun good uh i know you appreciate your concert so it's like hearing that stuff is maybe getting back into concert town again where it should be yeah i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping like my area gets more there was before the pandemic hit like some of the smaller venues had done these deals with uh, different recording companies and, and, and 
uh, promoters and we were going to start getting in like a lot more rock and metal shows and then the pandemic hit and all of that got flushed down the toilet and so it's like we got to start over from square one so like the shows coming in right now are like country music and, and I think some EDM which is well, I'm not going to go to the country the EDM is, an, is a maybe but like I really want I really want rock bands I want metal bands in and it's one of those things where they're not going to come if they don't think they're going to make any money but they can't know if they're going to make money unless they you know, show up and try. And so I feel like, like just kind of waiting for something to happen in that regard. Did you go up to three days grace and show them your Pokemon video? No, I didn't get that done till after I did. Uh, oh. I did add it at you them. Get, on you Twitter, can email though. it to them. Yeah, too. My guess is they'll ignore it. But a couple weeks ago they were doing like a, a react to like fan covers and so it would be interesting if like they end up doing another one of those and mine is in hey, it i want i want them to open with the video you go, hey hey uh three days gracers we normally do our cringe of the month but it looks like chad's got us cringe of the year <laughs> it's cringe but it knows it's cringe and that's why it's art it is art Actually, that reminds me. I want to link to that in the description. Okay. So yeah. everybody can click on it and see it there. You can see what I look like. I'm in the video. My pink hair. One of the fun things about rock shows is that, like, I love I love looking at all the t-shirts that people wear. Because it's like, everyone is sort of, not everyone, but a huge group of people have agreed that, hey, this is where you wear your band t-shirts. And so then you just start, like seeing which bands are being represented. And I always have so much fun just, like, kind of, like, counting. How many Metallica shirts are there? How many Megadeth shirts are there? I, I saw a lot of Lamb of God shirts, which I thought was interesting. Um, I had an Avenged Sevenfold shirt on. So it, it just, like, that level of people watching, because I don't actually care what people are doing, but, like, you know, what, what bands are being repped? Like, you know, who, who has similar music tastes to me? Like, I saw a guy with a Shadow of Intent shirt, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. And I saw a dude with a... Uh, one of the grindcore bands we listened to, he had, he had one of their shirts on, and I almost went up to say something, but he looked like one of those dudes that really likes grindcore, which is to say he looked kind of sketchy. Uh, so I did not. <laughs> I uh, I like the idea of fake bands, and I kind of want a fake band t-shirt, but I'm also kind of afraid of people just asking me about the band because they think I'm really into like metal or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I've, I've never heard of that one. Who, who are those guys? It's like, oh, no, it's it's not real. Why are you wearing uh, it? I don't know. Midwinter Minis, because he likes, he actually likes metal music. Uh, he did a, a limited run of shirts with his YouTube logo done like a black metal logo. Uh, I didn't buy one oh, that's because cool. I, I, it is, it's one of those things where like, in a way, that shirt was specifically made for me because it was a YouTube channel I liked with an aesthetic I like, and it was you know very niche and, and weird and and kind of artsy. Uh, I'm trying to wear less branded shirts unless it's actually a band. Uh, I, I have enough like gotten rid of most of my video game stuff, right? But it, it was it was really cool, and I think like more more things like that is neat. Uh, I'm all for for stuff do, people doing that. I think my other problem with fake bands is like sometimes they're real, <laughs> and that kind of bums me out too. It's like, oh, oh I thought I was being clever. <laughs> um, I like to play on a Space Station Thirteen roleplay server, and I have a character who likes to listen to music, and they always got headphones on, 
And whenever someone asks me what I'm listening to, it's like, okay, I think within the server's context, it's the year like 2800. And okay. there's inner space travel with other planets and other species and things. And it's like, for some reason, everybody always kind of like, they'll, they'll reference uh, Earth music from the 1980s to 90s. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no, I'm, I'm more of like a, a 2070s person. I, you know, I like I like Martian uh, glob stomp. I like, you know, it's like I have to make up genres and bands. Yeah, wh- that's really and cool though. Like, like, you take that shit seriously. It's a lot more fun that way. <laughs> well, but it's weird to me that other people won't do that. They'll just like, they'll say, "Yeah, I, I like Godsmack," and it's like, "Oh, okay, I haven't heard of them." Uh, you know, I <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying this interpretive, uh, uh, wheezecore album. Well, it's like with Ernest Klein, right? Like I'm writing a dystopian future book, but I know a lot about the 1980s. So guess what? Everyone's obsessed with the 1980s, and it's like, no, there's still be like <laughs> new bands and and new artwork and new movies being made. Like you, you now cultural simpleton. There's a pessimistic part of me, though. Um. I could picture like a dystopian uh cyber future that takes place like 300 years from now but like still the only movies are Marvel movies. Oh god, yeah. And the 80s bands because like no new art is like supported <laughs> and rises. It's all just nostalgia stuff where it's like you grew up with Iron Man. This isn't your dad's Iron Man. And it's like the 58th reboot of what Iron Man is. I wonder what, where we'll be like twenty years from now, where Marvel and Disney will be if there's still going to be like the MCU, if things will have gotten rebooted again, if people at large will have gotten tired of it. It's so hard to say because I kind of thought we were at that point already, but uh, I think the movies are still making money. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to start trending down by now, and it's not. So it's like, oh well, strap in. I know the the new Doctor Strange movie, like, the buzz seems really high. People like it. So we'll see. Did you like it? Um, no. I did, but no. I, I, I think it's a bad movie. Oh, yeah? It was a lot of fun, but it's a total mess. There's, uh... The, the, the story itself... Uh, like, someone asked me to summarize the plot, and I said, well, here's the plot. And I said one sentence, and I realized, oh, that's the entire thing. And it doesn't make sense. And there's just a lot of time and energy wasted getting to from point A to point B. And there's a lot of scenes. And they're disjointed, and they don't matter. And it feels like the consequences of everything don't really matter that much. And it feels like no one really learned anything. Like, it it was kind of a waste of time. Oh, interesting. For, like, all the people involved. Uh, I like Sam Raimi. And there were scenes where he was allowed to have fun. And I'm sitting there with a big old grin on my face the whole time. Like, wow, I can't believe they're letting him do this. This is so fun. Uh, are we talking spoilers? Or should I leave it at that? Uh, that's up to you. I, I probably won't see it anytime soon. I don't have a huge interest in it. Um, so there's a cool part where uh, he goes to a different dimension and Bruce Campbell is there and he sells 
uh, pizza balls. And there's this like slapstick thing where they just let Bruce Campbell do Bruce Campbell things. And I'm like, man, I just love this movie. And then he goes to the Avengers in that universe. And the Avengers are like, it's like a parallel universe. Uh, it's like a, a different person is in charge of the magic order. Um, uh, what's her name? Carol's friend became Captain Marvel instead of her. So it's the black lady. Okay. Uh, there's the other character whose name I can't remember. And um, Mr. Fantastic is there. And Professor X is there. And uh, Scarlet Witch shows up and kills all of them. And it was the best thing ever. Oh, and then also a uh, female British Captain America. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what her name is, but I know who, who you're talking about. Um, Captain Carter. Uh, and everybody gets like they they get like they get it nasty. It's kind of like wow, I can't believe they're letting them do this in this movie. Um, Professor X got his neck snapped. Uh, Captain Carter's shield like flew through her and cut her in half. Uh, the the one guy he can shout and he shouts so loud that it like rips a hole in the universe and disintegrates everything. And so Scarlet Witch like took his mouth away. And so he had no mouth, and he had to scream, and so it, like, reverberated in his skull and exploded his brains out the back of his head. Oh, wow. And I'm like, like, that's how the fight scene started, and I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? This is pretty cool. They just, like, they had fun with it. And then, like, Doctor Strange, um, uh, there's a part where he has to travel to a different dimension, but he can't physically do it, so he used magic to possess the dead body of himself in that universe. So he's zombie Doctor Strange. And a bunch of demons came after him because you can't do that because it's black magic. But he used magic to turn them into a undead ghoul cape that he could use as bat wings to fly. So he's like, he's soaring on all these tortured souls. You're like, and like their hands are grasping out and he's like fighting Scarlet Witch with zombie arms. And it's like, this is kind of fun, but this five-minute sequence isn't worth the whole movie. Like, a lot of the movie was not this interesting. Sure. And so it's like, hmm. You know, when when you see half of it in the trailer, and (laughs) it's like, yeah, okay. Oh, that was the other thing, too. So Scarlet Witch is the bad guy, which Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense after the WandaVision show. And so I'm just kind of like confused. Like, that oh, was, this is all I, I because think, she was, got upset. I think uh, I, we mentioned this a bit ago, but there's someone in my uh, the the Discord I've been for for uh, metal vocals that like three or four weeks ago before this movie came out was like, guys, I think I cracked the code on what's going to happen in Doctor Strange two. Spoilers if you don't want to hear it. And I was like, I don't, I don't give a shit at all. And he's like, I bet Scarlet Witch is going to be the new bad guy. And I'm like, well. Her, she's got a witch in her name, and I'm pretty sure she's a villain in some of the comic books. So, like, to me, that's not surprising. I haven't watched WandaVision, but, like, turning her into a villain kind of does seem like a logical progression from what I've, you know, what movies I have seen with her in it. It's funny that he's right, uh, but I also... Yeah. I don't I don't, I don't. don't think it was the, the craziest, like, leap in logic he thinks it was. Well... I don't know. The, I thought WandaVision was better than this movie. Like, in terms of writing. 
um, it just feels like maybe taking the character backwards. Like they, they end that show on this weird note where it's like, okay, maybe she learned her lesson. And this one, it's like, oh, I guess she absolutely did not. This doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the other thing is like Scarlet Witch is one of those characters that I feel like, uh, she's the most powerful character in the universe. Yep. Depending on who's writing her, you know? And so it, it's almost implied that maybe she dies at the end, but you don't really see it. So it's like, I'm sure she'll show up again, but it's like, she's been defeated. Yay. And she, she destroyed the throne that she gets her magic powers from or whatever. I don't know. They don't explain it. And it's kind of like, this doesn't feel, uh, satisfactory after all the setup. Like, if you want to know what's going on, it's like you have to do homework so that you're mentally prepared for what this movie's about, and it doesn't justify the homework. Wasn't that the same with The Eternals, where, like, that movie kind of sucked, but it, it's clearly going to set up the next Avengers movie, so if you want to be in on it, you better watch it. Well, yeah, and that's one of the stingers, is I think a character from The Eternals shows up and says, Doctor Strange, are you going to help me in this dimension? And then he does a thing with his hands, and he looks cocky, and he says, I think I will. And they jump through a portal, and I'm like, are we supposed to care about that? Like, it, it didn't have the same impact of um, Samuel Jackson showing up in Iron Man. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they really want to recapture that, but they just can't. I mean, they're basically like, the first time you see something new, and you're like, damn, that's new. And they're like... What if we do this 30 more times and it's the exact same thing? You're like, yeah, we expect it. Congratulations. You're, you know. I think my second favorite stinger yeah. is at the end of like the first Avengers where they're all just in a restaurant eating. Yeah, that's a lot better. Um, I liked the stinger for Doctor Strange where uh, Bruce Campbell wanted money for his spaghetti balls, right? Or his pizza balls. And Doctor Strange like didn't have any money. But he's being a jerk, so he's like, okay, and he, like, cursed his hand to, like, punch him in the face. So, like, while the main characters are talking, Bruce Campbell's just, like, punching himself in the face and, like, knocking over his pizza ball cart. That's kind of funny. And, like, it was funny. Um, And so the, the stinger at the very end of the credits was he's tired and beat up by his uh his pizza cart and he keeps punching himself in the face. And his hand finally stops doing that. And he does like a double take of his hand and he looks right in the camera and goes, it's over. And then the, the film cuts there hmm. and it's like, I was smiled and it's like, yay. But it also kind of, I, I feel like, man, this could have been a 30 minute thing of only the parts I liked. And it would have been as coherent. Sure. I'm guessing the movie was like over two hours as well. Um, it, I think it was just over two hours. I don't think it was too long. If they stretched things out more, it would have been unbearable. But then the parts I enjoyed, I really enjoyed. You know, it's just, if I'm being actually critical, I don't think it was a good movie. Well, at least you had stuff that you enjoyed in it. I mean, it sounds like it's probably worth a watch for, for some of the elements. And like, I don't know if any of the Marvel movies are outright bad. You know, even the ones I don't like, where it's like, well, that's that's a competent movie. Uh, it's just, I've kind of gotten tired of it. Yeah, and it's like, if you have Disney Plus, and you see it pop up, and you're kind of in the mood, there's no reason to not watch it. Sure. Uh, I just kind of miss um, 
I miss stories that were like contained. <laughs> like, you know, when it had like one superhero in it and they went on an adventure that only they could do. Um, I kind of hate like it's fun fan service to have uh, Mr. Fantastic show up with Professor X. Yeah. But at the same time, I I want a Doctor Strange movie. So what is this? Um we're at a, we're at an hour 7. Do we want to do we want to wrap this up? Yeah, I want to wrap it up. It was fun doing our little miscellaneous catch up this week. Yeah. Um I have a glad space I want to share. I wrote it down on my phone and it's charging. It's all the way over there. Oh no. Actually, no, let's go back to what we were talking about the first half here. Um my glad space is mini bricks craft oh. on YouTube. Oh yeah. Th- these uh these models are just really, really nice. I yeah, I, I definitely second that. Her her channel is, is super good. Um God, what is mine? Okay, so Alinium, he's a uh, he's like a electronic artist, a kind of dude makes uh makes music. Uh, I'm trying to find out how to spell his name because it's weird. Oh fuck! Did I not share that on my theme? Alin, here we go. I L L E N I U M. He did a song with uh, Courtney Lepont from Spirit Box, who's a metalcore singer. She's got a really really good. Uh, set of pipes on her and uh so the the song's called shivering and it's really good i listened to it yesterday i listened to it twice actually and i guess that's my glad space i'm glad he's still making music because i really like his music and i like her as a singer and it's cool to see him collab with like metal artists normally he does a lot of like pop and and kind of soft rock and maybe you know he's got a, i think a country singer on one of his albums too so this is a neat direction for him i enjoyed the song and i think i think that's it oh, that's a good one though Oh, there's a live version of this? I'm going to have to watch that. Oh, and one more recommendation again um, to uh, check out Chad's video. So click on that description down there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go go watch me be silly in VR chat. It's fun. But besides that, I think we're going to have a good night. Uh, you want to say good night, Chad? Good night, everybody. Good night. Take care. I was supposed to say goodnight, Chad. I should have done that. I fucked it up. Nah, it's okay. Okay. That's not the stop record button. <laughs>